welcome back to the Nifa Hour. It is nearly time for the Oscars, and in preparation, I've brought back one of our favorite guests to break it all down for us and give us some predictions. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, fellow Nifa People, graduates, alumni, current students, future students, uh, I'm Joel Smith. I'm so excited to be here back with Peter Rayner, the author of Rayner on Film, famed film critic. Uh, yes, you you guys want this book. I promise you, if you haven't read it yet, like, just, his, his Rotten Tomatoes is, like, forever long. I went on it the other day, and I was like, are you, are you like, three to five films a week? Uh, well, I see that many. I don't always review that many, but yeah. It's, it's, Woof! It's not coal mining, Joel. <laughs> It's so much work, but it's beautiful. You can always check that out there and then go buy the book because, again, you're going to want it. Uh, We're here to talk about the 2018 Oscars. It's the 90th celebration of the Oscars. And I think kind of interestingly, we've been talking about last year as a whole on film and we kind of agree that it was okay. It's an okay year for film. Not, not, certainly right. not in 1929 or anything right. of that uh, right. caliber. Uh, but some interesting choices being made here. Uh, we won't get into it too much here, but a lot of politics surrounding this year's Oscars, which is not that new, um, but is kind of ripe for a lot of conversation. Uh, I just want to dive right in and get your quick thoughts on some of the Best Picture nominees. Now, this year we have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Do you have... Is your pool ready? Are you ready? Is it too soon? (laughs) Uh, It's a little soon. Okay. But I I do think that I have some idea. Now, there are two two issues here. What Mm. I think should win... And what I think will win. Isn't that always the way? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me, it, it rarely coincides. In fact, usually the films that I like the most during the year aren't even nominated. True. True this year as well. Uh, Florida Project, I, I loved that movie. The only nomination it got in anything was uh, Willem Dafoe for in supporting, supporting actor, actor. Which I thought was a little Which is weird, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the studios do this. They position people like Army Hammer and Call Me By Your Name was entered as a supporting actor. Mm. If you total up his screen time and and so forth, he'd probably have about as many minutes as as, as Timothy Did Chalamet, yeah. who who was best actor nominee, and got a nomination. But but it's it's a game they play, you know. When Louise Fletcher won best actress for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, or Big Nurse, and you know, or uh, you know, I mean, there there are a lot of examples where you know you don't have many scenes and you still. A lot of get people think that's what caused Viola the Oscar was her yeah. placement in Best Supporting Actress. So, yeah, again, a lot of politics, a lot of people doing a lot of guesswork. Um, let's talk a little bit about this morning, or not this morning. <laughs> it's a long day, guys. <laughs> a couple mornings ago, we uh, got to see the the announcements of who was winning. Right. Uh, we had Tiffany Haddish and. Why am I blinking on Schmeagel's human Andy name? Andy Circus. <laughs> Thank you. And Andy Circus. And you brought up a good point that it's weird because, you know, we have some people in the running hosting the reviews. Yeah, I mean, Circus actually directed a film uh, this past year, Breathe, that, that didn't get a whole lot of love. But nevertheless, uh, he also, you know, is integral in, you know, War for Planet of the Apes, etc. But but Tiffany won the New York Film Critics Award for Best Supporting Actress. I was there at that dinner. She gave a hilarious uh, acceptance speech, as you might imagine. Yes. Um, so 
why put her in the position of having to read off the five nominees for Best Supporting Actress when she's technically in contention for that award? You know, it just it felt like a cold. very strong way of Oscar saying we would like to include Tiffany Haddish, but not in our nominations. Pool. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you could see she she didn't she was classy. She didn't say, "Gee, I'm I'm not in there" or something. But obviously, uh, it, it's. I thought it was a mistake. I mean, it's great that she was there, but uh, I don't know. I think there should be a rule that if you if you've won a major critic award and and you've you know some some awards along the way leading up to the Oscars, you shouldn't be a presenter because you may very well be talking against yourself. Yeah. You know? I hear that. Uh, she did look... I loved her outfit, um, and I thought she was really funny. I love uh, I love her frankness. I think it's kind of the thing that makes her uh, sellable or marketable. Um, her line on Dunkirk was just great. A whole lot of people seem to like this movie, and I should watch it. Uh, uh, just in, in, When she won the New York Critics Award... Um, uh, a separate award was P.T. Anderson got, got an award, you know, and he couldn't be there. So he read a speech and he says in the speeches, if Tiffany Haddish is there, I'd like her to know that I know that everybody is, is, is standing in line to get her to work for them. Uh, could I cut to the front of the line? And, and here's my home <laughs> phone number. And he actually read out the number. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, you think that's his wife being like, "We got to get her <laughs> now," because I'm sure Maya Rudolph has been watching. You know, cause Maya Rudolph's a comedian herself. She did SNL for a number of years. Right. Um, right. That's what. That's I mean, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, trying to imagine Tiffany Haddish in a typical Paul Thomas Anderson film is like. I know. I bet she has the range to do it. Make it happen, the Tiffany. Punch people. drunk love. She could. Uh, yeah. Totally. You know, yeah. Totally. All He's right. got some comedy. It's just dark. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's. Let's just so yeah of of the of the best picture nominees. Um, I do want to guess. I think you know what I'm. I'm going to let my emotions and my intelligence cloud each other and vote Get Out. I'm going to go early, and my reason is it's so rare to see a film from so early in the year carry all the way through and still right. get that nomination right. uh, come December. Um, it was incredibly impactful for me, but I also saw it be imp- incredibly impactful for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. It's got that kind of breakout star director where you know they're not going to give Jordan Peele. I mean, I'd be really shocked if he got the nod this year. Um, it could potentially win That's best screenplay. script. Yeah, yeah, best screenplay. I don't know if it will. I feel like Just Get Out was the talked about film right. of 2017. And so I'd like it to win. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I, I mean, of these nine, I think. And, and by the way, wh- why wasn't there 10? I would like to have seen. That's the, always the, a weird question. Like, you know, why not just go the whole 10 I mean, if why you not have it? Say the, you know, I like The Big Sick. It got a, a screenplay nomination. You could have really used, why, yeah. why isn't The Big Sick number 10 or something? Um, of these movies, I have to say, I feel that the vast majority. Are overrated. I did like uh, Lady Bird. I liked, you know, half of Shape of Water. Um, you know, <laughs> the first the, half the, or the, the second half? The, the, well, the stuff that isn't so, you know, pulpy, Cold mm, War, breaking okay. fingers kind of stuff. Um, uh, I liked Get Out a great deal. That would be my number one film on this list. Uh, and Phantom Thread, I thought, was a big, nice surprise that that's also on the list because uh, most people weren't expecting it to get, like, best picture. You know, costume design and actor. Of course. Maybe script, which it didn't get, which is which weird. Is mind-boggling. You know, because P.T. Anderson always gets screenplay nominations even when he doesn't get anything else. And especially um, for this film, which has so much 
left unsaid that you know he had to build back into the script. Yeah, it's 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 very weird, but nevertheless, it's it's a good thing. Uh, so I but so those are the two films that I I like pretty unreservedly on this on this uh, list of nine. I think Shape of Water, as of now, will probably win the Oscar. Wow. However, it's got the most nominations. It's it's you know, it's sort of the most successfully weird for 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 a lot of audiences. It's it's considered to be you know different and original. Uh, and um, I mean, and, and three billboards, which I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, would be the only real like. contender. Here because it's sort of swept the globes and you know. I look. I love. I like this film. I like a lot of the individual performances. Three but as a, yeah, yeah, but as a movie overall, I just don't understand this. It's like a La La Land for me last year, where I'm like, this is a fun film, but like, why are we at ten for it? It's just a lot. I wanted yeah. to ask you about uh, Shape of Water. Shape of Water did not get a makeup nomination, which is just. I'm floored, and I know some people said that perhaps it's because the line between CGI and makeup was so blurred for it that the Academy wasn't sure where to put it. Do you think they got it? Was that a snub? I, yeah, I mean, it's um, unless there's some definition of makeup that it didn't fit into, <laughs> you know. The only other thing I can think of is, is that maybe because the uh, the merman is so closely patterned on the beast from. You know, twenty thousand fathoms is it? I forget how many fathoms. Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. No, no, it was the, the oh the creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, yes. Yeah, the creature from the Black Lagoon is is the the template for this character, but that was made you know when people going around in rubber suits, and this is this is very different. But maybe they felt that it, 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 nevertheless it was not original enough as a wow. concept. I have no idea, but it it uh, uh, you know of all of the the potential nominations, <laughs> I thought that was like. The most likely, um, but I, I do think that's probably going to win. The, the problem I have with three billboards is, you know, here we are in this sort of racially charged environment with all of these films like Get Out that are sort of really dealing with, and here you've got the Sam Rockwell. He, he did a good job as an actor, but that role really, really bothered me in that movie. It's a movie that seems to survive on defying expectations, but what it actually does when it defies those expectations, isn't always so wonderful. And here you've got this guy who's, a, who's an arrant racist, who, you know, tortures a black prisoner, throws people through windows, you know, but somehow this, this, this heartfelt letter from his, you know, Woody Harrelson sheriff is mm-hmm. supposed to but inside there's some greatness in you, you know, and, and, uh, and decency. And, and so then he, I won't give away, you know, but in the yeah. end he goes off and does something that isn't terribly wonderful either. I mean, this film I, has a black character that disappears for maybe half of, like, right in the middle of the film. And then just comes back without explanation or purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating. And also, it kind of leaves you to wonder what were really the points that they were trying to make here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a character who does all of those things. I just think if you if you do all of those things, you you should you, should, you ought to deal with it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and don't don't come up with some, you know, redemption fantasy that kind of... You know, literally whitewashes it all. I, I just, I, I thought that was a big problem with the movie. Yeah, and especially for as fine an actor as Sam Rockwell is, it, I feel we've seen a lot of performances in the past that have outshined this one, and I, yeah. and I imagine we're going to see more in the future. So, uh, yeah. as much as I love Sam Rockwell, I just, 
I don't believe this is his year. Let's get into yeah. lead actors. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, the youngest male ever uh, nominated, which is crazy. We have girls like 11 <laughs> years old. I think it's how old Anna Paquin when she was nominated and then won her Oscar for right. the piano. Um, right. So it's crazy that 22 is the youngest male, male nominated. Actor, yeah. It makes me kind of want to reexamine how we view talent in our young men. Cause I right. feel like there must be a young male talent out there worthy of an Oscar that maybe was overlooked. It's just an interesting thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, in what he is saying is his final role for Phantom Thread, but I have a feeling we're going to get like a Miyazaki thing here where he just comes Frank back Sinatra. out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Wife writes a new film. He's got to come be in it. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. What a makeup transformation. Um, and then... Did that get Best Makeup nomination? I believe it got a nod, yes. <laughs> uh, it, it had to, right? Like, look at the jowls on him. Yeah. My gosh. And then Denzel Washington in a surprise nomination for Roman very, very J. Surprising. Esquire. Yeah. What, what is the Roman J. Esquire situation? It, it was, in my opinion, not a very good movie. It bombed at the box office. But uh, it's, you know, he's playing a... Uh, uh, sort of Asperger's-ish uh, civil rights lawyer who's very, uh, you know, odd and eccentric and but righteous and old school. Mm-hmm. And I think the conception of the role, at least, must have appealed to people. I think he does a f- fine job in it, but it's 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 far from his best performance. It's certainly not one of his best movies. Uh, I I didn't quite get that one. Um, yeah, I couldn't follow the Academy movie. there. Uh, how are we feeling about Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, which he seems to be a front runner? I guess so. Yeah, I you know this is the most old school of the nominations, and and the fact that Darkest Hour is also a Best Picture nomination. This is the kind of movie that traditionally, along with Spielberg's The Post, which we'll get into, you know, wins Oscars. It's it's you know historically based. It's sort of you know stately and staid and historical. Um, I didn't much care for the movie uh, overall, um, but I did think, I thought he was very good, and not just because he looked so much like Churchill, I thought he, he did a very good job of, of playing the character, but but the uh, the role as written is very uh, superficial, I think, and, mm. and you know, there's like the scene near the end where he, he's debating whether or not he should appease Hitler, and then he, he's on the... The, uh, the 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 subway and 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 all these people say you know never never give in and it's a, that's what gets them to you classic know, rousing moment goes to you know the the parliament and says <laughs> you know we're gonna that never happened first of all <laughs> and even suggest that Churchill would need you know a boost from the common folk on on a you know uh, tube mm-hmm. to to do this I thought was was pretty insane. Uh, I don't know if it's uncouth to do this, but I want to ask, have you seen, um, oh my gosh, Netflix series, The Royals? Yeah, John Lithgow. Yes, John Lithgow's performance, The Crown, there we are. Yeah. Uh, John Lithgow's performance as uh, Churchill, and then comparing it to uh, Gary Oldman here, a lot of similarities, but I felt like, at least the way that role was written for Lithgow more true and a yeah, lot no, it's, more it's, it's human. Better, yeah, exactly. It's better written. It's 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 better performed in that sense because there's more to work with. It's not just a kind of, you know, really nifty impersonation, which essentially I think, you know, there was another movie this year called Churchill. Uh, what? With, totally with me Brian by. Cox. Wow. Uh, it came out early in the year. Uh, it's Churchill at the end of his life, uh, and it was it was actually quite a good performance. No one has mentioned this film. Uh, you know, I mean, Brian Cox must say, hey, wait a minute, they were 
I was Churchill too. It seems like uh, a fall down on the PR team's part. I guess you know, but the whole Dunkirk. I mean, they, their their finest was another movie early in the year that dealt with with the Dunkirk evacuation. As does Dunkirk, and Churchill is, is sort of a you know a overseeing presence in those films, not not as an actor. But I find it interesting that Hollywood has chosen to focus on Churchill as our. Uh, our leader to aspire to in these times. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's it's funny because when the film came out, a lot of people felt like this is a very anti-Trump movie. It shows you, you know, what a real leader can be. You know, who, who fights his own party to you know to do all these things. And, and but then people from the far right said, no, no, Churchill's our guy. You know, he he he, he bucks the establishment <laughs> and he you know tells the foreign dictators to screw off and. You know, so it's one of these patent kind of movies that I think can be interpreted <laughs> in so many ways. In, in, you know, right or left. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I think it was Mike Huckabee or somebody mm-hmm. finally saw the movie a few weeks ago and said, "This is this is the the, the Trump. This is the leader that we have." <laughs> you know. Oh boy. Um. But so so everyone is taking a piece of this movie and using it for their own political ends. Mm. Daniel Day Lewis in Phantom Thread, and again, what is supposed to be his final role. Uh, does a Daniel Day-Lewis job of it. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> Obsessive and very detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting that he brings a lot of characters, or a lot of real-life stories kind of mingled and mashed to create this fictional guy. Yeah. Um, do you think he has a chance at winning? Uh, would you like to see him win? Of the five, I think he gives Far and Away the best performance. Okay. Uh, I would love to see him win. I doubt that he will because he's won three times before and people may be pissed off that he says he's retiring says all right go ahead and retire we're not gonna make you feel better and give you an oscar so you can snub your nose Mm -hmm. at us um uh so but i i think um you know daniel clue is fine remember that ridiculous controversy when he was cast that he was he was British? british yeah as though racism is not uh, existent for all experiences. Yeah, or, th- or that countries. you know, or that you can't you can't be a black actor and be British in an American movie mm-hmm. playing an American. The same thing happened in Twelve Years a Slave, where a lot of people felt that because uh, the director Steve McQueen wasn't from America, he couldn't possibly understand what slavery was like. Which, as if any of us had lived through or experienced that period of slavery in America. Um, so I agree with you. It's foolish. It's Artists are able to really expand stupid. themselves and yeah. explore all kinds of natures and, and stories. That's literally what they're here to do. Uh, let's move on to lead actresses. Uh, Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand, Three Billboards, Margot Robbie, I, Tanya, uh, Sarosi Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. I just saw I, Tanya in the... It's a classic, like, mirror scene. Like, I know what it's there for. This is the scene every actress has to give in order for us to give her the Oscar of, like, connecting with herself in the eyes. But, man, if Margot didn't kill that scene. Yeah. She looks half crazed and so tired and just beat up and just still so determined. But I think Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water... um, you know, to do a, a no dialogue role like that, um, and to give that level of a performance for me, she was definitely my favorite. Yeah, I think she's pretty terrific in the film, and she would have made a marvelous actress in the silent era. Totally. Uh, you know, because she's so expressive without uh, saying anything. I should say she was equally, if not better, in a film this year that that nobody recognized, called Maudie. Oh. Uh, she played the sort of outsider artist based on a real person uh, who who lives with uh, this uh, kind of very uh, 
uh, irascible fisherman uh, played by Ethan Hawke. It's a terrific movie and a terrific, terrific performance. Um, yeah, she's wonderful in it. Uh, I and and I think we'll probably win uh, of the five. Um, although Francis McDormand could also very easily win, but you know, since I don't much like that movie, I thought she was very. Uh, there was there was a mask like quality about McDormand in that film that I thought was never quite gotten beneath. That 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 she was sort of. I think she said she modeled the performance on John Wayne, you know. Oh wow! Um, and and I just felt it was a little too unremittingly uh, 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 tough and 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 almost repellent. Um, and I know it's supposed to high, you know, cover her her inner uh, sorrow and sympathy, but it, I didn't really come across for me. And um, Margot Robbie sh- should not have played an American because she's from Australia. <laughs> Right? We we don't like that. No. I do. The only problem, my only problem with that, Tanya, is I felt Margot Robbie was too, she just played too old for the 15-year-old section. Yeah. It was very much like, what's happening here? Um, but man, she didn't give a stellar performance, yeah, especially yeah. in the docu parts where she's yeah, no, just I was telling kidding. her I mean, story. Saying, you know, no, like, no, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, uh, Shorshay Ronan, I think, is, is fine. Uh, again, I mean, the problem I have with Lady Bird is I don't think it does anything terribly wonderful or original it just sort of does whatever it does very well but i've seen it all before yeah real women have curse has the the, almost the exact same plot line yeah i mean it 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 hits all the right buttons but but they've been buttons that have hit before meryl streep uh i think is wonderful in it but you know look she's not going to win she's she's gets nominated every year it's the meryl streep slot whenever she appears in a movie um and i just don't think it's going to happen for her for that role in that film i honestly feel like meryl sheep's over it but now i think she just shows up because like oh hey it's friends. nice that she shows up she always shows up even if there's no chance that she's going to win anything mm-hmm. like music music of 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 the heart remember that movie? yes i do mm-hmm. i mean she showed up for that and and there was no chance she was going to win <laughs> there for that no way. oh man what a sappy <laughs> adorable movie yeah um, directors are also directed winning. by rest rest west craven i might add Nightmare on Elm Street. Music of the Heart? Yes. Wow, I'm floored by that information. I have to go back and watch now. Uh, Our directors are Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Christopher Nolan is an interesting selection here. Dunkirk, for some people, greatest war movie of all time. For many others, uh, a confusing story. Uh, so I've heard a lot of people say that they thought the story wasn't Dunkirk, solidified. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I found it was confusing. Uh, it's, it's all these like four stories, five stories, mm-hmm. and they they keep intercutting um, in ways that don't always make sense. And some of the stories have played out uh, would last, you know, in, in in real time would play out for a lot longer than other stories, which only last for like you know fourteen minutes or something. Um, and somehow they're all intercut in, in some, uh, you know, uh, narrative that, that uh, for me, never coalesced. Um, and, and Nolan likes to monkey around with time, you know, and time schemes and things. I don't know that this was the place to have done that. Uh, it's also very strange as a war movie. There's virtually no blood in this film. I know that was an intentional choice, but when you f- make a movie about this subject... There's something very antiseptic about doing it the way that he did it, and the characters had no real backstory either. They're just sort of these people going through these things, but we don't find out a whole lot about who they are, um, with the possible exception of the Mark Rylance character who, who you know, does one of the boats. So I, I was not a huge... I mean, it's a very immersive experience, mm-hmm. particularly if you see it, uh, you know, in IMAX... Uh, 
uh, it wasn't 3D, but it was. Um, it was whatever that new special IMAX thing is. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a very immersive yeah. experience. Uh, but I, I just, to me, it's not not a great movie. Uh, I, I, the Dark Knight, I think, was 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 a lot stronger and wasn't nominated. Still to uh, this day, upset about it. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that's why they expanded it to ten mm-hmm. because films like that weren't getting in. Uh, not because they have any great quality control at the Oscars, but because they wanted a, a you know bigger viewership for the telecast, mm-hmm. and and all these art films weren't bringing in you know eyeballs to the to the show. It's true. Uh, uh, even so, I mean, a lot of people say that this is the Oscars are sort of a glorified spirit awards now. Wow! Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I enjoy the SAG Awards. They're super fun. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. I I think Christopher Nolan tends to be kind of uh, very clean in his approach to films in general. I And I, what I like about Dunkirk is even if you don't enjoy it, everything feels so intentional that you kind of have to respect his approach to it it's not how i would have made a war movie it's not how i like right. my war movies to right. look but right. you know you went out there and you did your thing i'm gonna okay this is a really hard thing i feel like greta gerwig might get that we should have a woman win again vote um again nothing against ladybird or greta i'm just not sure if it's the year's best directing job right of course i'm rooting for jordan peele but i think pta is gonna win it he's kind of long overdue uh and that's the thing the academy likes to do they're like hey you you know we haven't given you one in a while like here you go um, That's a long shot. I mean, I haven't heard too many people say that they think he's going to win. I would not be unhappy at all. Um, but I do think it's probably going to be Greta Gerwig. I mean, you know, because three billboards, the director wasn't nominated, Martin mm-hmm. McDonough. <clears throat> it would be great if Jordan Peele won, but that's probably too much too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, P.T. Anderson, it would be great, but I, I do think. I don't know. I mean, it's already been surprising that it got as many nominations as it did. So it is possible. Uh, you know, he also shot the film. He, there's no cinematographer it's credit time, on it. first time, yeah. Yeah, because uh, his usual uh, uh, cinematographer, Robert Ellswood, was, was unavailable, so he ended up doing it himself. Which is thrilling. Uh, <laughs> in a tiny house stacked on top of each other, yeah, things yeah. on in. I can't even imagine what that set must have been like. I don't know. But I, I think... Um, I think it's between uh, Greta Gerwig and Del Toro, and uh, because Shape of Water has so many nominations, um, I think thirteen. Yes, uh, twelve. That uh, I'm going to say actually, I think he will be the winner. Um, But you know, more on that closer to the day. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's get to... Okay, so animated features is really... It's hard for me this year. Especially because so many films were nominated that I'm confused as to why. Right. Uh, Boss Baby and Ferdinand, again, this is nothing against uh, the filmmakers or the films themselves. I just... When you think... Because to me... I remember one year we were curious, like, what does it mean to win an Oscar? Because it, it doesn't technically mean best performance or best film of the year it's best achievement in cinema which means how are you pushing the envelope and and what are you doing to broaden this art form and i have a hard time finding where that happens in boss (laughs) baby again fine stories but how like loving vincent makes sense to me every uh 
shot every uh, frame is hand painted. That's incredible. Yeah, um, it took like seven years and, and 140,000 hand painted frames. That's insane. Um, I mean, it was insane. I didn't think it was the world's greatest movie in the end, unfortunately, but, but it, it does. You know, I mean, attention should be paid. Yes, because it is such a remarkable achievement just on on a technical level. Mm-hmm. And you keep seeing these paintings of of Van Gogh showing up in in the you know it was rotoscoped, but it's it's absolutely uh, uh, a one of a kind achievement. Um, I uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Boss Baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think for me the 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 the, the two best are, are are Coco and and the Breadwinner. Yes, um, agree. And I love the Breadwinner. I, that would be my first Gosh, choice personally. So much, such uh, a great story, an amazing, amazing film. And people often think, you know, still that animated movies are all like, you know, cartoons or funny stuff. Or no, I mean it's a very serious movie about uh, uh, you know ISIS and you know. So so I think. Um, but uh, Coco will win, I'm almost positive, and, and I'm not at all unhappy with that. It's a remarkable achievement. Yeah, absolutely. From story to, I think there's a million programmed lights in the City of the Dead, which is really cool. Um, and then plus, you have Remember Me, which actually, I'll just skip down to songs. Now, oh, computer is being silly. Uh, best songs was interesting this year. Original song? Original song, thank yeah. you. Um at the Golden Globes, everyone thought "Remember Me" was a rap. We saw we've seen little children singing it to mm-hmm. siblings and and dearly departed grandmothers, and it touches your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Disney's big thing. Disney is really good at winning this category. But then, surprise! The Greatest Showman comes in with "This Is Me," another top like politically topical song, um, and it wins. And it it's still shocking to me in this moment. Uh, I think if there was a best soundtrack or or you know, greatest original soundtrack that uh, actually they would win an adaptation. I digress. They would win because their soundtrack is bomb. Right. Um, how do you do? You think Coco is going to get best original song? Probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is between. I mean, there's even a chance that um, Mighty River from uh, Mudbound, which is oh, God, Mary I J. Would Blige. Love if that won. Uh, but yeah, I I think probably in the end, Coco. You know, uh, remember me will. We'll get it. The the um, the Greatest Showman. It's funny. The studio didn't even show it to critics mm-hmm. before uh, the critics voted, like the L.A. and New York groups. Um, they just figured this is not an awards movie. Uh, but then it you know has this <laughs> this uh, uh, nomination. So I I don't know. I mean I think um it's, I think remember me. I mean it is it, it's very catchy, it's very Disney, it's very it, it, The problem I have with this category in general is I I hate when the Oscars do these big spangly musical numbers. You know, it's always time to the you part know, where it slows down. Like, let me go get snacks, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, etc. Et yeah, I mean it's it just kind of uh, you know, they can't duplicate what's in the movie. Let's not mm-hmm. do one of these sort of second-tier Broadway glitzy number things. It's just, you know, really. <laughs> uh, or at least call the Tonys and have them organize it for you. Right, and if they do remember me, you know, it's going to be like one singer on stage, and you go, oh, at least at least they're low-keying it. And then the curtain's going to open, and 50,000 people are going to come in. <laughs> 3,000 you know? extras run down the aisles yeah, with I banners mean, and spinny things. Yeah, I mean, I hate that stuff. So I, I wish they would do away with this category altogether. 
Uh, but at least Randy Newman isn't nominated because, uh, ex- with one exception, I th- he finally won. But he wasn't nominated like twenty times. It's incredible how many times that guy's yeah. been up to bat. Uh, but he's great, and I love him. So I have a problem with it. Yeah, no, I love Randy Newman. I just, it, I mean, he must have felt like uh, what Susan Lucci and uh, yes. the, the daytime soaps who get nominated forever and you don't just win. Never win. Uh, adapted screenplay is so exciting. Uh, Call me by your name. The disaster artist. Oh, let's pause here. The Disaster Artist gets one nomination, I think? Yeah. That is, for as much buzz and excitement that circulated that film's coming out, um, to, of course, James Franco allegations to now, it is amazing to me how fast people could be like, okay, well, not for us, please. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the story about him that broke in the L.A. Times, you know, which he uh, denies the charges, um, uh, broke I think two days before the the close of the Oscar vote voting, uh, and someone said that that people who vote for the Oscars the there's the the vast majority either vote like the first couple of days or the last couple of days, in the middle not so much but mm. but there's a tremendous outpouring of voting in the beginning and the ending of the process, so I guess in Franco's case it. I don't know. I don't see how else to to to, to view it because yeah. he won the Golden Globes. He won a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. He was definitely. I personally am not a fan of that movie either, and I don't think he. I think it's kind of a, a funny sketch that gets, you know, elongated into feature length, and I'm not sure that you know the room deserves all of that weird uh, hero worshipy thing that goes on in that film. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, I don't know if there's any other way to interpret his not being nominated for Best Actor except. Because of the you know the politics of it and and, and the way it fell you know before the vote, um, and uh, and now screenplay. So is he going to show up for the awards? Uh, he didn't write the screenplay, but he produced the movie. That uh, I have a feeling he's not going to miss an opportunity. Like it's the party of the year for a lot of people. Vanity he Fair's at the big things. Goals. Yeah, I imagine he'll show up, and he was at SAG too. He's still so right, I don't right. think he's deterred. Uh, I think no. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if these allegations will be the thing to follow him. Now, here's the question: around. Casey Affleck won Best Actor last year. Sure did. It's, it's a tradition that the Best Actor of the previous year presents the award to the Best Actress mm-hmm. in the in the following year, which means that normally he would be presenting Best Actress award this year. Wonder if that's going to happen. Yeah, and there was a lot of controversy just even in that exchange because right, Brie Larson didn't applaud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes yeah. down. Um, but adapted screenplay, I think. Um, I mean, Logan was a big surprise. I really want Scott Frank to win. I read the script for Logan the other day on a yeah. whim, and man, I I love writers that are just so frank and direct in their writing. Um, Particularly Scott Frank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gives a full three paragraphs on how to direct the fight scenes. He's like, "Do not over CGI this. Well, do not wow. do this. Like these fight scenes. Like if someone falls, I think there's a direct line that says if somebody falls from a window, they're not getting back up. They die. <laughs> and I I just right. it painted such a great picture." And I, I haven't seen that done a lot in scripts. Um, I think it was incredibly yeah. fun. Uh, Mudbound, too, by Virgil Williams and Dee Rees. Yeah. Uh, that script is an incredible exploration of the Deep South that I don't think we get to see a lot in films. Something yeah. so yeah. honest and how uh, we kind of rely on each other and how also we hurt each other. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing it. But what's your pick? Yeah. Well, uh, of these five, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, Molly's Game... 
is is sort of standard issue Aaron Sorkin in the sense that there's so much voiceover and so much narration and so much dialogue that you can practically close your eyes and follow this movie. Uh, not that you would want to with you know with Idris Elba and Jessica Chastain, but nevertheless. Um, but I found the movie kind of ex- overextended and, and rather tedious after a while. Oh, and, you I really know, re- wanted repetitive. to snip some things out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it needed an editor. Um, uh, and we've talked about Disaster Artist. You know, Mudbound, I, I, I liked especially the, the, um, the black family. I thought all of their scenes was really strong. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought some of the, the stuff on the other side with, with that, you know, vile grandpa oh and everything. Gosh, yeah. I thought it was, you know, it was a bit, I wish in some ways they had focused more on, on the Mary J. Blythe family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Call Me By Your Name, I, it's a perfectly lovely movie, uh, but it did sort of bring out the screenwriter 101 in me, you know, mm-hmm. like, where's the conflict? <laughs> You know? <laughs> Everyone's just happy and in love. Where's That's the conflict? All. <laughs> yeah, in, in so, beautiful Italy, there are I, no problems here. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think Logan is the strongest of the five. I think yeah. so too. It would be crazy and open up a whole new. Do- People have like to harp on the fact that, like, okay, well, the superhero bubble is going to burst. It will absolutely burst one day. That's just inevitable. That's what bubbles do. But I, I truly feel that superheroes are like westerns in that they're timeless. They evolve with the culture. Um, they can be filmed in a lot of different ways. I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg. And I think Logan sort of solidifies that in a lot of ways. And it's directing style and releasing a black and white version. Um, I just think there's a lot of opportunity to legitimize superhero films as a very nerdy person it is i'm so excited that it was just nominated um for original screenplays i feel like i already could tell you what your choice would be (laughs) is it the big sick uh no actually of those five it would be get out okay Uh, awesome on the same page (laughs) yeah no i think get out is i mean first of all it's original you know, I mean, that it's not just so an original true. screenplay; it's an original, original screenplay. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I think it's it's a phenomenal script. And uh, uh, I, the Big Sick, I think, is a very good script. Uh, it, it sort of teeters on the edge of of even though it's you know it's got this uh, a culture clash uh, at its center, et cetera. But but there is a certain conventionality to it. Um, you know, almost like you could be seeing it uh, as as a TV series. I would Excuse love me. to watch this as a TV series. Yeah, but um, no, Get Out, I think, is, is is an amazing piece of work, and that would be my first choice. Okay. Uh, other nominees, if you guys are not caught up, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, which is an area where I wouldn't mind seeing her win, uh, Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, and Vanessa Taylor, and then Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri by Martin McDonough. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Get out. Uh, cinematography. Roger Deakins is always up with Blade <laughs> Runner 2049. Weird choices, but I'm not... Just because I feel like of all of Roger Deakins' work, so much great, fantastic, phenomenal work, I, it wouldn't be Blade Runner 2049 for me. Yeah, uh, well, but that's often the case with Oscars, that you, you often get nominated for your lesser work. Yeah, it's so weird. Particularly if you've been neglected for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm never unhappy to see Roger Deacon's face. So, uh, The Shape of Water was uh, the cinematography for that was done by Dan Lawson, Mudbound, Rachel Morrison, the first female to yeah. ever be nominated AFI. for cinematography yeah. in ninety years. <laughs> what? Uh, the, oh wow! Now her name is escaping me. There was a female cinematographer on Ellen Curtis. She yeah. she did uh, 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 Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, 
I cannot recall her name. Check it out in the notes. I'll try to add it later. Uh, but she was snubbed to me because Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, right. it, that takes such a specific eye to film. They're using a lot of fourth perspective. Um, and it was it was such a an overlook on the Academy's part. I'm excited to see Rachel Morrison here, but I have a feeling Hoyte Van Hoytema for Dunkirk might win just because those, some of those war scenes are shot so phenomenally. Of course, that famous scene on the boat with all the soldiers lined up right. back to back. Uh, where do your predictions lie? Well, I think that uh, of the five, the, the the one I think is I like the look of best is, is probably Blade Runner, just because it's wow, it's so okay. impressive. <laughs> we were but, on opposite you know, ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but it's far from Deacon's best work. Uh, Shape of Water, I think, is is you know periodically wonderful to look at. Um, it's very pretty. Uh, you know, Mudbound, I think, is is, is a strong entry. Darkest Hour. Yeah, um, and uh, but you know anyone named Hoyte van Hoyte Hema uh, <laughs> should get some sort of recognition. Yes, uh, but um, I, I think probably the winner will be Dunkirk for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But again, it could be shape. See if it go if it's, it turns out to be a sort of shape of water landslide, mm-hmm. which is not beyond the realm of possibility. What often mm-hmm. happens then is that. You know, you get cinematography, you get editing, you get all these other things kind of part of the parade, mm-hmm. um, in which case it could go to cinematography. Because the cinematography is very, you know, what you're photographing in Shape of Water is a lot weirder than anything in Dunkirk. So sure. it might get points for, you know, atmospherics and things that don't yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the flooding the room scene was nicely done. Yeah, I mean, you know, things. and sort of rightly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, and we... S- we saw this happen with Pan's Labyrinth, where it just raked in all right. the awards. Um, so, yeah, so it would, it would not surprise me if we, no. we got a landslide. Uh, but I'm going to be rooting for Hote, Hote because Hote, Hote de Hotemia. Yeah, just a okay. great name. Uh, and our final category that we're going to go over is film editing. What an interesting year. We have mm-hmm. Baby Driver, which has two editors, Jonathan Amos and Paul Matchless. Dunkirk's uh, Lee Smith, Itania, Tatiana S. Regal, Gold Women, uh, The Shape of Water, Sydney Walensky, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, John Gregory. Baby Driver's just so flashy and seems very obvious. And uh, if you guys are reading up in your Hollywood Reporters and Vanity Fairs, uh, last year there was a lot of controversy over the fact that some of the Academy, Academy members don't watch the films. They vote based on popularity and political I'm lines. Shock. <laughs> You know. So I feel like maybe Baby Driver... That explains Driver. a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like maybe Baby Driver has uh, a leg up on the competition. But what do you think? Well, I, I don't think Baby Driver will win. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed the film immensely. Uh, this award tends to go to, like, most editing, you know? So in which case, it would be Baby Driver. But but I, I think, since it didn't get nominated in anything else, um, historically, if it... Editing and picture often go together. Uh, a lot of these historical precedents are, have been going by the wayside over the over last number of years. So you can't. But um, if that's the case, then then Shape of Water would win Best Editing because it's actually very mellifluous and, and and unostentatious editing that works well to set the mood. Uh, he, uh, uh, Sidney uh, Walensky, who's the editor of the movie, is a friendly acquaintance of mine, I should add, um, and doesn't like the fact that I mixed on this movie. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, he, he, he did a terrific job, and, and, and if, if history is any precedent, that would probably win. Um, you know, I, Tanya, I think it has that, that 
flashback, flash forward, you know, multiple narrative. Well, and those sharp choreography stri- scenes. Right. But I don't know if, you know, that was probably all in the script. So I don't know that, that, that you know, I mean, the editor, forgive me, but, you know, is, is maybe carrying out a time scheme and, 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 and a, a, you know, flash forward, flashback scheme that that was in the script it's and not like documentary where you're trying to figure out the story right you know and, and, and speaking of documentaries fred wiseman should have gotten a documentary nomination for ex libris i'm just going to say that okay but i'm glad that uh agnes varda got nominated for um faces places i just want to see agnes <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's she is 89 she's incredible um uh and as is um who is the other eighty-nine-year-old? Is it Christopher uh, Plummer? Is is eighty-eight? Yeah, I think so. Eight? No, there's another another uh, uh, somebody who's just a year younger than the Oscars. Yeah, but I mean that's 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 great. Um, yeah, I you know so I I think you know editing the L.A. Film Critics Group of which I am a member uh, some some years ago finally voted in an editing category because a lot of editors were saying, look, you you award cinematographer every year. So why aren't you uh, voting for editor? I guess the argument was that, you know, you can sort of see the cinematography, but with editing, you don't know how much of it is the director, how much of the producer, how much footage you had to work with, etc. You know, but it, you could say the same thing about cinematography in a lot of ways, too. And how much is your gaffer uh, how much and is, your first AC? Right, yeah. right. You know, or P.T. Anderson shot, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think that... Um, it, uh, it it it's 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 a misstep to have editing as a category for critics, but but I think in this case, uh, the academy tends to vote for the flashiest editing, and um, and that's sort of a cheat because a lot of times the best edited movies are the ones where you don't notice the editing. It's kind of the goal of editing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not to notice. Which is why I think films like 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 uh, uh, you know Shape of Water and and even. Three billboards. As much as I don't like that movie, uh, you know, I don't think that the editing is is in your face. You know, it pushes the story forward. Uh, and Dunkirk, again, like I Tanya, has that weird time scheme, which may contribute or take away from its its chances to win an editing award because they might say, well, they're just following the script. True. Uh, that's a hard category to vote on. I don't envy anybody who has to vote and these incredibly hard decisions, and I super don't envy uh, the people who have to come up with an Oscar presentation because every year for the past four years, no one is satisfied with these things. <laughs> every year, since James Franco hosted, really, it's just been a downward <laughs> oh, slide right. in yeah. opinions. Again, this is not me saying anything about it. It's just if you're reading the papers and the trades, is every year people are not happy with the host. So good luck to you guys this year. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you can bring back some of your audience. I love the spectacle of the Oscars. I'm a huge, like, yeah. if there's going to be ball gowns and shiny things handed out, I would like to be there or at least watch it from my couch, uh, you know, with mocktails and delicious cookies. Uh, I, I, don't th- <laughs> I think the screw-up was the funniest part of the show last year. It was Oh, oh, when I, I mean, tell you everything. Yeah. I was actually watching it here in our After Buzz studios, yeah. and we had to, we were listening to it with our headphones on because there's a lot of going around. You don't want to get picked up in the studio. When that part happened, we had unplug all the headphones and turn it up and like maybe 50 people gathered around what is happening (laughs) so exciting and thrilling that's the live kind of entertainment we want I would not be surprised if they, like, what a better way to get headlines in the morning. Yeah, like have Warren Beatty present Best Picture again. <laughs> <laughs> One category we did not talk about is the short documentary. We're not going to go too much into yep. it because uh, here at the New York Film Academy, we're a little biased. Uh, <laughs> Heroin, 
which is a short documentary about four women fighting the heroin epidemic uh, in their hometown was edited by our very own Kristen Newtile. She is a uh, documentary professor at our New York campus. So we're all fingers crossed for Kristen and uh, her film, Heroin. Definitely check it out if you haven't had the opportunity. I know some places like the Lumley out here will do a shorts run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can see some of these films that aren't released in theaters. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for Thanks joining us once again. Uh, guys, Peter's going to come back like <laughs> either right after the Oscars or right before. We're going to do another kind of breakdown. I think maybe we should have you come back after to talk because... I always feel like the winners just say something about the state of cinema. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This was a yeah. great conversation. I had a lot of fun. Guys, let us know down below in the comments, if you're rating on iTunes, uh, what films you hope to win, what got snubbed. I know a lot of people not happy about Disaster Artist getting that one nomination. Uh, and let us know what you think. We want to hear from you guys. Until next time, I've been Joelle Smith. This is the New York Film Academy, and we'll see you guys next time. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.